Welcome to The Imposters Club, a podcast helping you fight the voice in your head telling you that you aren't good enough. Brought to you by 30-something best friends, Sinead Kennedy-Krebs and Melissa Murdoch. Well, hello there. Hello, Shinny. Shinny through the webcam. No, through the webcam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I feel like today I've um, I've upgraded to a new level of uh, lockdown life today. My um, husband waxed my legs for the second time. Wow. I feel like the first time is like, okay, lol, novelty, we're in lockdown, please can you wax my legs? And now it's like, is that just our relationship now? This just works now. <laughs> this just works. You know, following on from last week's financial episode, what a cost-cutting exercise. It is. Um, I don't know if it's a relationship-building exercise, but <laughs> I'll tell you, he did a very detailed and thorough job. Uh, if you need to book in for a half-leg wax, I recommend the uh, Murdoch Salon. Um, wow. So that's we're doing that in the very sweaty heat of today. How are you in your hot, hot roof? I'm, I'm hot. <laughs> I'm really quite hot. Um, I... As you mentioned, I live in the roof. As I've mentioned many times, I live in the roof and it's hot and we can't have any windows open while we record a podcast. So, you know, what a time to be alive <laughs> in on the hottest day of the year when you can't really go outside. Um, but it's OK, you know, I'm doing my best. I've got my water. I've got my facial spray. Yeah, I'm um, business on the top. Cool on the bottom. <laughs> And the best thing is, is that we're recording that, so you don't know. Um, video yeah. recording is what I meant. Um, so, Shin, have you got a imposter story for me? You know how do we do. I have an imposter story for you. Do you know what? I have had some classic workplace imposter syndrome this oh. week. Oh. I mean, who Sock remembers that? Sock it to me. I don't remember that? what workplaces are. Um, and it's nothing big. It's just that I've had a lot of meetings recently. Um, with a new member of senior management, a PR team, some other senior people, just a designer, various meetings where I have to look and sound like I know what I'm talking about. And obviously, I don't believe that I do. They are nodding at what I'm saying and writing what I'm saying down and saying mm -mm, and asking further questions. And I'm like, are you sure that you want to write that down? Because I don't think that you do are you sure that you want to agree with me I mean that must be made imposter syndrome made worse by working at home and not being in an office where you're kind of constantly feeling like you're being part of something you know obviously I don't you're being rewarded on a daily basis just through mm. your like communicating to the people in your office and all that taken away you're like am I doing a good job absolutely and also I think being on camera and having people that you know, essentially inviting people into your home. I'm always sort of checking behind me to make sure that my most, um, you know, intellectual books are on display and that it's not kind of got three old tea mugs and a random bit of chocolate or something. Or my favourite was, um, for those of you that are follow us on Instagram, at The Imposters Club, plug, 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 um, we've <laughs> been doing um, Day in the Lives with both of us, um, sharing a bit about, about us and Shanae um, eloquently talking about um, mental health on lockdown, but behind her was like these <laughs> three empty whiskey bottles. 
<laughs> Loved it. Yeah, I am working beside the bin and in these important meetings, I can't let people see the bin and the recycling Got so um, and the whiskey bottles. So, yeah, I mean, in a way, it's quite nice to have a normal version of imposter syndrome, whatever that is, um, because I kind of got over it quicker. I was a bit like, oh, for God's sake, you know what that feeling is. And the feeling isn't complete incompetence. The feeling is imposter syndrome. Move on. Get over it. We've got bigger fish to fry. So it was quite a nice test for myself. Um, but obviously, it's put all the there. things into practice that yeah. we've been yapping on about for six months. Exactly. <laughs> so that's me. How about you? Well, while we're on the uh, topic of normal, as you mentioned, look, I think it's hard at the moment not to feel a bit lost or a bit disconnected from the you in January 2020. You know, like at the beginning of this year, I don't know. If, about you but like I set all these kind of career targets for myself um I was going to do these things this year you know and then um and now we're all like lol 2020 is cancelled but I'm kind of like who is 2020 <laughs> who is 2020 Sinead and Mel like who even are they but that's kind of what I'm getting at it's mm. like but then but then what like what is this new normal is there even a place for my career plans that I set myself at the beginning of the year in this new normal do I even want this anymore um, and I think you know obviously there's yeah there I'm going there do I know who I am anymore um I think there's some exciting changes that will hopefully come with actually adapting you know like we've spoken a lot about flexible working and hopefully people taking less flights which is amazing um but this kind of uncertainty kind of leaves you lost like I'm an imposter of BC Mel as in before corona yeah um and we've kind of been playing a game for the last two or three months which is like let's put reality on hold um we're not real us because we're pandemic us but and then and then we've kind of let ourselves believe that once it goes pandemic then we go back to normal but yeah I'm starting to sink into me that what is what is post lockdown social distancing life like you know yeah and what where does and how does that change me how does that change what I want out of life and I I'm starting to I'm starting it's, it's starting to sink in that it isn't just two states of being actually we all need to adapt and yeah it's kind of really weird to think yeah you're kind of an imposter of I'm not old Mel anymore current Mel is this weird fake version that doesn't you know that works out every day and makes breakfast lunch and dinner um and you know doesn't and doesn't leave the borough of Enfield um whereas you kind of just wonder what what the future holds and yeah I think it's sunk in this week that yeah. there's going to be a long there's going to be a new normal and I know we've heard those two words but I think we've used them to refer to now yeah, I think it's, you're so right. There's going to be quite a long transition, I think, of out out of out of whatever this is. I think a lot of us have been kind of like, okay, we've got the sort of 2020 pause of lockdown, and now we'll go back and things will be normal. But I don't think it will be. I mean, I was talking to my boss this week, and I don't know if when I'm going to be back in the office because. You know, I I can do my whole job pretty remotely. I'm not as um, 
I don't want to say I'm not necessary, but I'm not needed on site mm. as much as other members of staff at the organisation I work in. So I don't know when I'm going back to work. So I need to adjust my expectations yes. to make them a little, not necessarily smaller, but a little bit more local. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, well, you and I have um, waffled many a time over a phone call about this. And I think, you know, this is actually our penultimate episode of season two, which is super exciting. So I think we'll end this season kind of coming back to coronavirus, which has really dictated this whole season, which is weird and kind of cool at the same time. So I think, you know, if any of you want us to talk about specific topics about coronavirus, the next steps, please get in contact with us, um, theimpostorsclub at gmail.com or hop over to our Instagram um, at the Imposters Club. We'd love to kind of be directed by you, by what we talk about and kind of see if we can work this out together, which is what we do in it. Yeah, (laughs) that's what you need in a club. It's just to keep chatting. So we're going to chat to some more people. So many of you might have heard us talk about our very close friend, Rose, who is an actor. Um, You might remember us gushing over her in our friendship episode, plug, plug, plug episode. What is it? Season one, episode five? Five. Five. Um, Five. Go check that out. Um, But most recently, we mentioned her experience of trying to get medication during the coronavirus, which actually inspired this episode, didn't it, Shin? It certainly did. So our friend Rose has lived with an autoimmune disease since she was 13 and recently started writing about her and other people's experiences of invisible illness and hidden disabilities in her own screenplay. Invisible illness and hidden disabilities are umbrella terms for kind of any medical condition that isn't easily visible or perceivable to others. And this includes neurological and chronic physical conditions. And we really wanted to use this platform to raise awareness and discuss the imposter syndrome that comes with living with a disability that isn't obvious and is definitely not very well represented. Now, we are doubly lucky today because we have two guests, two two incredible women, two incredible actors. We are also joined by Gabriella Leon, who is an actor currently playing Jade in Casualty. Um, I had the honour of meeting Gabriella um, a couple of months ago when we went to places and did things. Um, we were, yeah, we were at the Driving Change Sector event at the Roundhouse, which explores how we can make the creative industries more inclusive. Um, I run a leadership program at the Roundhouse, and the participants of that program were facilitating, facilitating, facilitating a long table discussion around invisible disabilities, um, of which Gabriella was a panelist, and she was there sharing her experiences as a deaf actor. Um, And she was amazing. She spoke so insightfully on the power of the media to influence our view and opinion of people with disabilities. She also shared her experience of imposter syndrome um, and how that kind of works across the intersections within her life. At this moment, everybody that knows me in the room darted eyes at me. Um, Oh, my God, she's mentioned imposter syndrome. You have to go and talk to her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And so we did speak afterwards and if I'm honest we were just really keen to carry on the conversation here for all of you so we've got um, Gabriella and Rose here today. Yes we do we've got both of them and um, we are dealing with all the 
delicious technological issues that come with having four people recording a podcast. Um, and we wanted to have both of them on so that we can have a conversation that insights into shared experiences, but also the nuances of each experience and how they can differ and how listening to as many experiences as possible is the best thing to do in pretty much any situation, but particularly in this one. We wanted to share their conversation on this platform to our wonderful audience with the aim to keep increasing awareness and learning how to be more supportive and better allies, to change some of the misconceptions that we have about hidden disabilities and invisible illnesses, and to also talk about the media representations of people with disabilities. Woo-wee, that's a lot. Um, all in this neat one-hour package. You know, disability is absolutely a conversation that we all need to be a part of, especially when many of us have such a limited understanding of what this means. You know, we've had very little reference points. Um, and actually, in the UK, one in five people have a disability, and about 80% of these people have hidden disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the... Um, uh, diversity inclusion event that I was at um, another panelist um, of the event that uh, Gabriella was part of was Mike Laywood who's the artistic director of Dash which is disability visual arts organization and he said something that just like you know one of those moments this is like mind blowing and it's like stuck with me ever since and he said there are no disabled people only people with impairments however by not accommodating their impairments society makes them disabled Mm. Um, and I just thought that was a really interesting place to start to kind of start thinking about how we change our mindset on it Um, and as we've both kind of alluded to we're doing something a bit different today Um, to facilitate this discussion we had to ensure a way of recording that was accessible to our guests which actually challenged ourselves to look at ourselves which is always really important a big shout out to the lovely team at Morley obviously our producer Camillo for helping this happen um so today we're actually filming the recording um which is very new to us wave everybody um so if you want to check that out I don't know how I'm going to do it yet but we are going to have a captioned recording available for you um and yeah here we go bear with us um but let's make this work with these incredible women So, welcome, Rose. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm, 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 I'm well. How are you? How are you both? How's Quasa treating you? Quasa, love it. Oh, um, sweaty. Um, as I'm... I said, we are video recording. We're going to talk over each other. People on the video will see <laughs> it. People on the recording, bear with us. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right, Rose. Lovely to have you joining us. Thank you so How's much. How's your quasa doing? Yeah, good. Really, I'm quite sweaty and quite hay fevery too. Um, even while I'm inside at the moment, I seem to have hay fever. So that's that's a new thing. Top well, notch. the time to be alive. So yeah, at- time to be alive. As you know, we start by asking all our guests to share a recent imposter story. Do you have one for us, Rosie Posey? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have a few. Um, but <laughs> Don't we all? I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, last night, I did a masterclass with a really amazing acting coach called Miranda Harcourt, um, who I've loved um, for a few years. And uh, my management company in the US recommended that I did this um, masterclass with her. It was run through NFTS, and it was really great. And 
as I was as I was participating in it, we had to do a few different acting exercises. And I, I mean, I had a quiet year last year um, because I was sick um, for quite a lot of the year. And then obviously this year, well, the less we say about that, the better. Um, <laughs> there's been very little work. And so I haven't actually done much acting other than um, uh, self-tape auditions and a few other small bits in quite a while. And I was doing an ex- acting exercise in what they call the break room on um, Zoom, which is a cool thing that you can do. Yep, you've got a break there. for somebody else. And uh, I was like, yeah, Zoom. They don't know what's going on. Um, anyway, so yeah, I had to do an act- acting exercise with this dude. And I just, I felt like a complete imposter because I hadn't done anything in such a long time, especially with somebody else. Mm. alone like you know working on my own fine and yeah I felt weird very weird weird adapting to digital acting do you think is it is doing classes like that helped you on digital like kind of embracing the digital in some way to keeping you connected oh totally I mean actually I feel like we've had as actors we've had quite a lot of support particularly Spotlight have been amazing um and you know, a lot of casting directors and act. My my other acting coach, Daniel Dresner, has offered like a week long program of free classes since the beginning of lockdown, which has been awesome. Um, so I'm just everyone's still training the muscle for sure if they want to. It's just funny to be doing that and not working. Um, not the same. You know, who knows what that will change? <laughs> to be confirmed. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, as you've just said, you're an actor and uh, we don't know when you're next working. But can you tell our listeners a bit more about you, what you do and about your invisible illness? Yes. So I am an actor. I also do some work for um, charities. Um, I, I've had rheumatoid arthritis uh, since the age of 13, which is <laughs> how old am I? 16 years ago. 16 years I've had it for. Um, it was initially juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and unfortunately I didn't grow out of it, so it became rheumatoid. And I've, yeah, it's kind of something that's lived alongside my me and my body for 16 years. Um, I take some very good medication for it, which means I'm basically in remission at the moment. And I've, yeah, I was very sick with it last year. Um, also, the the final year of drama school, I was I was pretty ill with it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle, but I'm, I'm lucky that at the moment I'm actually, particularly now that we're in a pandemic and obviously I'm in the vulnerable category, um, with, with my condition, but it's, it, I'm very lucky that it's in the state that it's in at the moment and it's not as bad as it was last year because then I would be in a bit of a pickle, um, yeah. <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, and can I ask what really bad looks like for you, just mm. for people to understand a little bit more about arthritis and what it means? So really bad for me looks like, um, well, I mean, it sort of doesn't look like anything in, in the fact that it's visible. Oh, yeah. But if at a closer look, um, I get very swollen joints. That's my main um, symptom. So my knees and my elbows and my hands and my ankles and my hips and basically everywhere gets um, a lot of swelling around it, which restricts the movement. So like, I mean, if you're watching the video, you'll be able to see what I'm demonstrating. <laughs> not, what I'm doing is that <laughs> I'm holding up my elbow so that it's restricted uh, and I can't in a in a flare up. I wouldn't be able to straighten it past about um, 45 degrees to the listeners. Um, you can see me doing it here. And 
uh, get very anemic, so I lose a lot of weight, um, get very, very lethargic, and yeah, it's probably enough to deal with, isn't it? Um, that's what <laughs> it sounds like it enough. Yeah. Um, great. Um, yeah. That's really helpful. Just, I think, like, obviously, the reason why you're both here, it's so many, there's so many misconceptions about what um, illnesses have, what the impact they have on people's lives. So it's really helpful for us to kind of visualize and understand what that impact might be on you. Right, Rose. Hold there, honey bunny. Um, we will be back. We're just going to do one of these for Gabriella so you can learn a bit more about her and then we'll have a little chitty chat chat. Thanks, Rose. Appreciate it. Gracias. Thank you. Hello. Uh, hi. Hey, hey, hey. It's, it's so me. lovely to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. How are you today? You look fab, actually. Thank Puff, you. Please, both of you. Yeah, come you out. do too, Rose. <laughs> yeah, both of you come out with the fire. Thank you. Um, I had a wash. I put a clean top on. You it's lovely. Didn't. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's good. I am. Um, I I'm feeling good today. I made a cheesecake. Made Ooh. a salted caramel cheesecake today. Oh. That's what I've done with my day. Yeah, I know. I was like, I'm gonna prep myself. Got my little podcast later. Gonna sort it out. Yeah. What a day! It's a winner. A fantastic day. Yeah. How are you both? I hope you're coping okay. Yeah, we're um, getting through. I'm speaking on behalf of both of us now, Sinead. We yeah. are. We're just hot. That's, yeah. that's all we are now, is just hot. It is a sweaty day. I'm, I regret wearing long sleeves, but uh, oh. by the by. It was a choice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a choice. It was a choice. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so, um, as you know, we start by asking all our guests to share a recent imposter story. We've just asked one from Rose. Do you have one for us? Um. I do. It, it's it's slightly strange, but I did. It did make me feel like an imposter, so I guess that's worth sharing. Um, I was on my weekly shop, you know, the, just how stressful that is for everyone. Mm. Um, in my mask, and I tend to not wear my hearing aids uh, when I'm shopping at the minute, just because it's an added stress. I actually like not hearing the world around me. Mm. Um, and I was walking down a path and there was apparently a small child behind me um, and they I didn't know anyone was there and I fell off a pavement and sprayed my ankle because there was a child there and I was so embarrassed that it happened that I'd started speaking Spanish because my dad's Spanish so I spoke Spanish <laughs> and English growing up so I just pretended I didn't speak any English because I didn't want to help so I was just like no pasa nada, estoy bien, estoy bien, estoy bien, claro, claro. And I was just really like dismissive with her. So I think my, and it, it happens a lot when I get into like flustered situations. So I think my alter ego is this like dismissive Spaniard that doesn't want anyone talking to her, bothering her. I just, yeah, luckily she didn't speak it back. So sometimes that yeah. just happens and then you're in a rut and you're like, oh, I have to speak to this person now, great. Um, but yeah, I love that I just, you've created an imposter as an alter ego to deal with traumatic situations <laughs> you've got a um a version of Sasha Fierce <laughs> yeah she's less fierce more pathetic I, I love how when we talk about imposter syndrome in previous episodes we talk about like your imposter type are you a perfectionist are you an expert are you a super person are you Spanish is the extra <laughs> one are just you just bilingual yeah it just comes out like that I just yeah so I just picked myself off the pavement sort of hobbled along back to my car and she didn't bother me then she kept two meters though going oh 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 are you all right oh and I was just like 
sí, sí, no pasa nada. Like, this is way. a legendary story. This is my favorite. What an image. Time. Well, I think our <laughs> listeners already now have a, a bit of an idea about you. Um, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, what you do, and about your um, hidden disability, please, Gabriella? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Gabriella. My friends call me Gabby. Uh, I um, I've always wanted to be an actor. Um, I've been wanting to be an actor from a very small child. I'm still small now. Uh, I'm a gregarious northerner, and I'm really passionate about cheese. Uh, I trained at East 15 Acting School uh, on the BA Acting and Contemporary Theatre course. I graduated in 2017, and the course really focuses on creating theatre, collaborating, writing. And then I sort of fell in love with writing a bit. So I sort of do that alongside my acting. I've just finished writing a bit like Rose, also like an avid writer about her invisible disability. I'm doing the same. I've written a short film about invisible disabilities and celebrating it all. Yeah, it's called The um, the Deaf Receptionist. So it's, it's a bit of an, why would a receptionist be deaf? Here we go. Um, yeah, and it's sort of a film that celebrates invisible disabilities in like a dark comedy way. Uh, I'm, I really want to get it made so hopefully when all this is over I can try well, and pursue that yeah who knows big Hollywood producers that listen to this podcast give her a call yeah, I, I and, hope you, so. and you've got another actor here available of course of course exactly. it's, like, it's all it's all like encompassing <laughs> um, but no it's yeah it's a dark comedy about um, people with invisible disabilities and it paints them in like a sexy light because I get irritated by the fact that people don't consider disabled people sexy and or wanted by or I so I'm just that's what the film was made for really to sort of eradicate those silly misconceptions and for those of you listening rather than watching Rose is nodding emphatically and putting her thumbs up (laughs) yeah I was doing this in terms of my disability I um I've got an, it's neurosensorial deafness. So don't fall asleep in this explanation. It's quite boring. Uh, you know, it's called um, cookie bite syndrome, which sounds delicious, but it's not. Uh, so basically in my graph, so big line graph, um, I can hear very high frequencies, like some and some low frequencies, but the middle section where human speech happens is missing. It's like a big bite's been taken out of my hearing. It just goes, mm. Wow. Um, and I actually didn't find out about my disability till I was 18 years old. So that's what makes my story a little bit unique, I guess. I thought that it was normal for humans to lip read. So I'm an, a solid lip reader. That's like my number one form of communication. Um, yeah, and I found out at 18 and it was a completely, um, I mean, I, I, it was the most shocking thing I think I've ever heard or experienced in my life because I had such a, then an identity crisis mm. and it's only really in the last few years that I sort of really found like what my deaf identity is and where my place within the deaf community is and you know how much of deaf culture am I involved in you know I'm constantly learning every day and after, then I'm, I'm, self, I'm sort of self-taught myself signing because it's hard not growing up within the community not being able to sign and going like you're deaf that's why you can't you found it difficult to communicate with people so it's it's been a way of yeah, and still having that battle, and it's still it's quite fun and liberating to still be on that journey of discovery and like who I am and stuff. And I yeah, but like Rose, like so much 
there's a lot of pain that comes with the disability. I have a separate issue called hyperacusis, which not many people know about. It's basically it's a sensitivity to certain sounds above any vo- uh, volume, like a specific volume or frequency, and it causes like pain, like in the center of my head and ears. It's like an electric shock, but yeah, it's things like that happen. So it impacts me in similar ways. Like I miss a lot. I miss a lot of jokes, and I like jokes. I miss the punchline. Uh, but also, and I get lip reading fatigue quite easily, especially if we've been like filming for a long day, that can happen. But I think I like to think about how it impacts my life positively. And I think it affects me positively because I'm a really, really good listener. Not because I have, I have to be, but also like I, I, I'm really good at listening to people. And I think I have an empathy that can't really be taught. So that's something that, that that's what my disability has given me. So. Yeah, that's a really wonderful way of thinking about it and putting it because I think people don't automatically go for the sort of wonderful things that a disability can um, develop within you. So that's a really wonderful thing to hear. Gorgeous. Well, let's bring uh, the other gorgeous one in. Let's bring Rose back in and have a chat. Once again, welcome to both of you now that you're both both sharing the floor um thank you both so much for sharing about yourselves um so we'd like to start by talking about imposter syndrome um you've talked about your imposter stories from the past week but we'd like to look at how that kind of specifically relates to having a hidden disability or an invisible illness so I'm going to go to you first Rose if you would like to start us off um okay well I would say um I guess an easy thing to start with would be the the portrayal in the media. I think it's something, invisible illness is something that has only really been spoken about properly in the last few years. Um, There was, there was a a campaign for versus arthritis. I think it came out around two years ago, which is a national campaign. I mean, you can see it. Well, you could see it on the underground underground where we used to get that. Um, Mm. But, you know, it's a massive, massive campaign and on the, uh, the television as well, across different platforms which was really awesome. Um, I think it was the first time that, that that had ever happened with an arthritis charity. They'd like rebranded themselves as versus arthritis. But other than that, and, and then obviously it's starting to sort of filter into the media now. It's not something that's massively spoken about or understood. Um, and therefore uh, having, you wouldn't even necessarily know to put arthritis in the category of an invisible illness. Like I probably didn't even fully know myself until a few years ago that it would even, that it even is categorized underneath that. Um, again, and then that, what, what ties in with that, I guess, is a sort of strange privilege of having an invisible illness, an invisible illness or, um, yeah, uh, invisible chronic uh, disease or chronic illness that you can't see. Um, it's a kind of backward privilege to have that in some ways because you're not treated differently. Um, but at the same time, having to explain yourself or explain your condition is, is quite invasive. And mm-hmm. that's a whole different journey you have to go down. Um, There's a, yeah. um, a forced intimacy with having to kind of explain yourself. So, um, I mean, I, yeah. I imagine that that's like quite draining as well, kind of having to tell someone that you don't know very well, like, oh, here's this really personal thing about me and my body. Yeah, totally. And having to explain the fact that I'm, you know, well, obviously I'm 29 now, but that's, I like to think still quite young. Um, but <laughs> arthritis is something that you attach to um, 
uh, the elderly. And so explain, having to explain that I am a young person um, going through something which is associated to a different age group is, yeah, I mean, you feel like an older person in a young person's body and that's got imposter syndrome written all over it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, uh, yeah, another thing I would say in terms of being an actor, I, yeah, as, a, as an actor, obviously you have to use your body uh, as lots of the former and, and I've had situations where I've had to, I did a show um, a year or a half ago, no, was it a year and a half ago, uh, which was a long run. It was like nine months and I was fine for maybe the first four and then I was really sick for the part for the for the rest of it and the producer was very very understanding and wonderful about it and the cast as much as I'm sure they wanted to be I think they really struggled to understand why they were having to to put more work in for me because I was unwell because you can't there's no no mm. obvious other than you know the, the symptoms I explained earlier it's very difficult to see the illness but it affects you massively and difficult to perform at the best of times let alone when you're feeling <laughs> Yeah. Like that. Um, yeah. So uh, navigating those. Yeah. Yeah. So Gabriella, would you? Is there anything that you want to add about um, hidden disabilities and imposter syndrome? Yeah, I mean, my head was like nodding for yes. My head's gonna fall <laughs> off like, this whole podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, everything you said really resonates with me um, as well. It, it, it's just so. It, it's so interesting the fact that some it's really hard to point into words invisible disabilities are only difficult because people aren't open to the idea of learning about things different people different from them or things that are otherly or the worldly sometimes and for me I know that I really struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes on a day-to-day basis and especially in my working life as an actor because the problem with imposter syndrome it doesn't come it might come from yourself but for me it's due to the fact it's the reaction of other people that make me feel like an imposter um it's a strange thing I've been told a lot that um because I have speech and I'm very uh proud that I have speech but it wasn't a choice I just I have speech I lip read I learned to have speech that's what happened um people may not want to view me as a deaf person because of that um which is really strange because when you think about the spectrum of being deaf in the deaf community it is so broad and so huge Mm. that it's unfathomable really you can't really comprehend like the levels and people it's so personal and unique and individual that I just don't know how so usually a hearing person can judge me on whether I call myself deaf, hard of hearing, hearing impaired. There's so many politics around those words as well that I think, you know, they can have negative connotations to it. But no, imposter syndrome, I regularly feel that I am not deaf enough for the deaf community and I'm not hearing enough for the hearing community. So it feels like I'm this weird sort of hybrid, like small, and I'm, you know, you look, you, you try and find people like you that you can share stories with and, I would agree with Rose, you know, deafness sometimes is associated with the elderly, especially if you have speech, because then, oh, you've just got some hearing loss. But I never had that hearing to lose in the first place. It's always always been this level. Um, 
when I got my first pair of hearing aids and I heard wind for the first time and birds and my mum's cackle, I was like, you know, it made me feel genuinely like half a person. And, I, you know, it was only really up till last year that I sort of shook that feeling. I felt like half a person because I'd missed out on 18 years of sound. And it's like, will I ever get that back? Like, I'm ever going to make up 18 years of sound again. So I think people that say imposter syndrome, you know, is people being selfish or dramatic or attention seeking, they're wrong. It's an absolutely real thing. And it's caused by other people's unbeknownst, not necessarily malicious, but ignorant reactions to people's invisible illnesses or disabilities. It's just, I think it's so important that we're talking about this. So, yeah, that's kind of what I would add to that um as you both mentioned you're both actors um and that actually kind of seems to feel it feed into many of the kind of imposter syndrome feelings you have and I imagine there's intersections of the fact of being women young women in theatre young women with a disability in theatre and I was just wondering what your experience of kind of auditioning has been like and finding your place as an actor obviously um you're both I mean, only five years difference in you. So um, um, I don't know if you'd like to start, Gabriella. Um, yeah, I mean, audition's a funny one, isn't it? When I just, I, I find yeah, the whole yeah. experience um, bizarre. You, it's kind of sadistic. You kind of love them and then you hate them. And this is a whole yeah. hybrid cycle round and round and round. Um, I've had some really wonderful auditions. I'm sure Rose has as well, where people have been really accepting and open and, They've really listened to my access needs. And then others, they just couldn't be more off the mark, really. I've, mm. I've, it was in, it's in audition rooms that I've heard the most shocking things to do with not being open to someone who has speech with a hearing impairment disability. So I've been told to do a deaf voice to sound more deaf. And I've said in response Ooh. to that, well, what does a deaf person sound like? I'm sorry, I don't understand. Um, I've been, oh, another one, like, I go, I'm sure Rose has to do this as well. Uh, I have to tell passing directors before I go in, I, like, email them or something about my condition so that when they see me, they know. And if I miss something, I'm not being rude. I just didn't see what they said. And there's a little bit Mm. of, then you start the conversation, you plant the seed so they can be mindful. But by the time you get in the room, they've forgotten and they don't care. So then yeah. you, again, you like, like Sinead said before, it's that really vulnerable thing of having to go, here's this, my deepest, darkest thing about me I'm sharing with you. It's really intimate. And I don't really want to be sharing with you because you're going to see me for five seconds and that's it. Um, yeah, just people are so strange. It's strange. Yeah. How about you, Rose? Yeah. What's your experience been like? Well, I was listening to that and I was thinking, I actually, for a very long time, just didn't tell anybody about it. Mm. I, um, I can obviously, it, I, it's easier for me to, to not disclose it um, to a degree. But if I was to book a job, it's something that I would have to mm-hmm. flare up. <laughs> um, <laughs> with, I, I would have to bring it up with them. And I, yeah, I, I often, I mean, more when it's in theatre work as well, because that's kind of, you know, with production and stuff, it's slightly easier. But with theatre stuff, I often just, I mean, this is something that I wouldn't do going forward. But for the years where invisible illness and arthritis and all of this wasn't spoken about as much, that I fell into that category of just being a bit too afraid to bring it up. So I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so I remember seeing on, you know, on the app, on the forms, the many, many forms you have to fill out for an, for an audition. Like, just photocopy it. Can we bring a photocopy along? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I see the section it asks 
if you have any impairments or mm-hmm. illnesses or whatever. And I just used to look at it and be like, hmm, next, what's the next box? And mm-hmm. just not fill it out. Um, for fear of it meaning that I wouldn't even get past the first stage of an audition if they, if they knew. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is true or used to be, obviously, you know, you would hope that wouldn't be the case, but also it's so difficult as it is to book a job as mm-hmm. an actor and you don't want anything to stand in your way, particularly something that you're feeling an imposter syndrome about or, or feeling yeah. alienated for. Um, and I, so yeah, I, again, it goes back to that privilege of having an invisible illness that you can, mm. it's backwards privilege, um, yeah. get away with those. Yeah. Have, have, you, have you ever been told that you're passable? Passable, that phrase, you're passable. Don't tell them you're passable. I don't know if you've no. ever heard that or been told. That's just something I get all through my drama school training. I heard that quite a lot. People would God. say, Gabs, you're passable. Don't, don't tell them because it will only make your life more difficult if you tell them or you won't book the job. And I thought, surely I'll book, I'll book the job because I've got actor, no? That's, does that, is that not how it works? Oh, I have to be something I'm, I'm not. Um, but for, for, I was scared to, you know, you come out of drama school, you don't know anything about mm. the industry, you think you're prepared, you're not, and you go, oh, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. I'll just really lip breathe them. I'll try really hard and I won't mess up. And then I've booked jobs before where I haven't told them, and then it's become apparent, either I've really, really misunderstood, answered a question that they never asked me, uh, which happens a lot, or uh, they, they see them if I've got my hair up. And often the response, you know, sometimes can be, oh, well, this character's hearing, so can you just put your hair down and hide them? And, my, I, I, and that always yeah. really sticks me, because it's like, why can't the character just be the same character, the same story, the same strong narrative, and just wear a pair of hearing exactly. aids? Just yeah. really, yeah. Totally, totally. I was just thinking, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't even, I mean, even before drama school, uh, sorry, before auditioning, um, I, at the end of my, <laughs> I experienced it at the end of, yeah, my final year at drama school, um, the, uh, my final performance piece, I remember getting marked. <laughs> I basically effectively think I did get marked down and the feedback on the, on the form was something along the lines of, I, she had low energy and her physicality wasn't, you know, wasn't on par with her previous three years. They knew and they knew what was going on. I was really ill. I was like sick, you know? Um, like, you know, falling asleep in rehearsal rooms. Not like because I was tired or hungover. I was actually just <laughs> exhausted and anemic. And yeah, so I kind of went out into the industry already being super paranoid that that yeah. wasn't something that I should address and that I should keep it invisible. Mm. None of I did until recently. I only told my agent about it recently. <laughs> um, I'm cowering saying that, but it's true. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult to yeah to um to be to be open and honest about it. It's mm-hmm. easy. It's definitely easier now. I will say that for sure. And obviously, with age and with growing into your own condition, it makes it makes your life a lot easier. But um, yeah, there needs to be more more chat around it for sure. I'm sure you mm-hmm. agree, Gabriella. Yeah, it's amazing that you told your agent recently because I remember when I first had the conversation with Melissa about this podcast she'd shared that story with me that you'd recently done that and I was like that's really incredible because I went trying to when I left drama school trying to get an agent only only saying that that I was mm. had a disability and I was getting nowhere and I realized that oh, I, wasn't really? get, I wasn't getting nowhere because of me it was because they were open to the idea they wanted to fight, put me in a little box and they couldn't 
because they were confused by my speech and they were confused by my mannerisms. Like, oh, so you're not a fluent signer. I did say, I've just found out like two years ago, so I'm working on it. So yeah, I can, I can sign, but no, I'm not 10 years, 15 years fluent. No, I speak Spanish no. before I sign. So you don't fit into the pre-designed boxes that yeah, they exactly. want you to fit in. Yeah, you're exactly. not disabled and you're not not disabled. Mm-hmm. And they, the, the, even them creating the work is kind of fitting them into two brackets. And, you know, Gabrielle, you've actually just mentioned about your screenplay and Rose, you are writing an extremely exciting um, screenplay as well. Um, I just wanted to hear a bit more about that and what propelled you to do that and is it because of your experiences of being an actor yeah for sure um i mean putting aside the invisible illness we're all encouraged these days to write anyway as actors because Mm -hmm. you you create work and then that brings work to you and it's yeah saturated business um i the reason i wanted to start writing um about it it begins with rheumatism um but it's a it's a project about uh, a broad range of invisible illnesses um, was because I don't feel like there are there may, maybe maybe no real I mean there's maybe some and I don't have I've done a fair amount of research but there's still a way to go but a realistic portrayal and you were kind of saying this earlier I think Gabriella of um, a protagonist who has all of the normal wants and needs and, yes. and life like the, re- the rest of the world uh, but you know and that and, and the, the story isn't driven by the fact that they have a condition nor is there a big pity party around their condition you know that therefore the storyline might be that they have uh, an illness or an invisible illness or a disease or whatever and, and they and the story is them overcoming it or they fall in love and they're saved by their romantic lead and the love they have for that person, you know, is, 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 is the saving grace. Instead, it's that kind there's, of there's not like inspiration really, porn, yeah. isn't it? Oh, sorry. Yes, literally. And this is, it sounds similar to what you were saying earlier, uh, earlier on, Gabriella, um, mm-hmm. about so having the protagonist, the, the idea behind my writing um, is to have the protagonist who is, is leading a normal life and then just so happens to also have... Mm-hmm. Uh, this invisible illness and obviously I mean the, f- the first episode of it is driven by the illness and, and exploring that but then from then on it, it's the daily struggle of them living with the condition rather than that being the point of the whole story and then again which ties in with what you were saying Gabriella it, 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 again it, it's written as a dark comedy but also it, like it, I want it to be sexy like why yes. can't it be sexy oh. um, it doesn't have to be uh, an uncomfortable, uncomfortable pity kind of. Yeah, I keep going back to that word pity, but um, something that you shy away from. I want, I want the protagonist to be somebody that is uh, the audience aspires to be, and maybe mm. you know, fancies or wants to shag. Yes, yes. Yeah, sounds similar to your. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. But I had a great name. Yours it's called the death reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, it's called the death reception. Yeah, no, it's the same. I'm just, um, I think stories like that though, where people do have an extra sort of thing about them, it's like an extra layer. The these visible or invisible disabilities, it's it, showing their experience. It's the most human, and you know, the most personal is the most universal. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want to see more disabled people be sexy and fancy them because yeah. we, we we have relationships and have like you said have the same wants and needs as other humans <laughs> if would you believe it um 
Well, I mean, that kind of brings us on. So, Gabriella, you are now playing a sexy, desirable, fun, cool <laughs> character as the first disabled regular in the history of Casualty. You play Jade, who is not the deaf nurse. She is Jade. She's a nurse. She is deaf, but she also has, you know, romantic storylines and other st- all sorts of stuff going on. So, I mean... What, how has that been? Like, have you, you seem to have had really fantastic feedback from that. Yeah, um, it was, it, it, it was honestly, the, uh, Jade coming into her own, when the character was first introduced, a disability wasn't even mentioned, which is what I kind of loved about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout a few, through my first episodes, it was sort of just slipped in. And like, there was like a shot of my hearing aid. Or like, I was cleaning them on my shift whilst eating a sandwich and being clumsy and endearing and silly um and yeah it, it, it's so similar to all of my loved ones in my real life and people that are close to me they forget 24 7 about my condition um I, my mom for a fact she'll try and shout me from upstairs if I'm ever at home and then get annoyed have to walk all the way up the stairs and be like hi Gabby yeah I was just saying <laughs> um so <laughs> it's one of those things but the audience too were, had, had forgotten and it was only until um, I kept pushing and pushing um, the writers. I was like, no, we've got to really solidify this. We've got to really say something about it. We have to showcase, yes, it, she's not defined by it, but we, we do have to talk about it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be advocates and be authentic and real. Um, and it wasn't until then it was becoming more apparent and part of Jade's character a bit more uh, that people were really on board with it. And yeah, like you said, the feedback, not just from the deaf community, but all types of people, um, with different disabilities as well like the feedback's been amazing I think they see Jade as like it's really weird they get emotional about it but she I think they see her as like this little beacon um and I've had so many young people on Twitter and their teens that um maybe have a disability or share a similar background to Jade because she's she's a foster child Mm. that was her main thing and she had quite a difficult childhood whilst having this condition as well and so many young people were saying that um you know, this is the first time they've seen someone like them on the TV. And even though I didn't know about my condition till much later on in life, I really could have done with something like that. So mm. to it feels absolutely incredible without swearing that <laughs> that I, I, I can I can be that little person for some or some people, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, they just want to see more. They're fascinated by the BSL. We have lots of signing episodes. Um in the next, this Saturday is the start of my big storyline. Ooh, um, ooh. Uh, yeah, so we really get to see Jade like come into her own, really delve into her past. Um, it's really, really exciting. Um, yeah, and I think the deaf community and the wider community will be grateful for the representation. It's like, ma, ma, please. Well, yeah, I mean, you spoke at the diversity and inclusion event at the Roundhouse about the power that the media has to kind of construct our view and our opinion of people with disabilities. So, I mean, other than the fantastic work that you're doing on (laughs) casualty, where do you think we are now? And I mean, where would you like us to be in the not so distant future? Um, Yeah, in terms of media representation, similar to what Rose was saying before, there is such a way it's the way that it's broadcast. It can't ever be at to get par. It's deaf at to get par. It's, you know, it, it's, it's similar mm. to say, you know, small northern girl gets role. Like, you don't have to be that descriptive, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, woman with long brown hair gets role. It's just, it, it's, it's, 
I don't know, it feels reductive. It feels like it takes away from what the actual information is. And it is the media's duty and responsibility to represent people with visible, invisible disabilities better. And that starts from industry. So if we're casting more people with invisible or visible illnesses, diseases, disabilities, and it's normalized, we're seeing them more on our screens, then that's how we can see true equity. That's where mm. I want. We're not there now. We're not. Mm, We're no. seeing very little change. And I mentioned at the driving um, inclusion event at the Roundhouse that, you know, it, it was it's controversial, but I think it's really fashionable to be disabled at the minute in, in, in this industry. People are sort of um, jumping on the bandwagon and go, oh, yeah, disability is cool. We're cool with it. It's cool. It's cool. You're disabled? Yeah, come work with us and we'll get funding because you're on our team now um you know right. it, it is it is that it does feel a bit like that and I like I said at the event if we're fashionable let, let's ride the wave Rose we'll be, we'll be couture yeah baby you know, we'll Bring do it, it. we'll ride that wave if that's what if that's what it, if that's what we have to do to get where we need to be yeah, totally. in terms of equal yeah. representation then then we gotta yeah. do it yeah and ride the wave but it's definitely time for more diverse stories. Um, you know, let's hear how different people live. Um, but let's let's talk about allyship. You know, we're you're here to kind of raise awareness, um, and you both basically kind of said that the the imposter syndrome and the negative feelings that you have about the disability come from outside mm. um you know come mm. from the way you've been told to think about it oh you know I shouldn't tell my agent because it's not going to end well I don't want to apply for that they're not going to welcome me and all that kind of stuff so you know even though it's the most annoying question ever what can we all do a bit better you know what would you like pe to see people doing to be better allies um Rose hit me not physically. Can I jump back just to something to yes. that you just said? Well, I'll do that. Yes, <laughs> um, please do. You, just to finish the story about my agent, I just wanted to say, I then told her about a year ago because I was telling her about this writing I was doing and literally she didn't even react. <laughs> I mean, my agent's amazing. I've been with her for like five years. I love it. Um, Sam, love her. Lovely, lovely woman. And she, like I, I said to her, like, oh yeah, so I'm writing this project about invisible illnesses. It's called Rumor Freud. It's about my condition. I have rheumatoid arthritis. And she was like, great, great. So who's the person? <laughs> I mean, she just kind of went straight over it. So there we go. Worried I, for years for I, nothing. I literally but love that. Sorry, I wanted to say as yeah. well, like, similarly, I didn't mention before, my agent is also brilliant because she'll probably listen to this. Um, <laughs> she, she's wonderful. No, yeah. she was the first agent that I met who I told her about my disability and she was just so completely open and she was just like yeah we, it was just like a match made in heaven really um this so yeah great to understanding people yeah. Yeah, yeah this is why we need to talk about it more so people you know if you heard somebody having this conversation rose eight years ago maybe you would have ripped off the band-aid earlier you know well exactly um, yeah yeah that's the one i was going to say so i then yeah. my, my manager who represents me in the u.s um so she's known about it for a long time. This is also why it was like, um, I, I felt like she knew, so then I didn't have to tell my agent or whatever, there was something in between. But she, she's, I, I know her through a friend sort of thing. So I've sort of known her for a long time. So she already knew I had arthritis. Interestingly, she also has an invisible illness. So she, my manager, so we've kind of had that journey together. It's just been something we've shared, which was kind of lucky in a way. Um, yeah. So it's been like two different two different situations. But now everybody knows it's all out in the open. It's all out. And we can write about it. <laughs> Be free. Know, Feel free. Yay. 
So I'm going to pull you back to allyship, Rose. Yes. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. What would you like um, to I, do a bit better? I would say, um, so I will go for something um, personal on this one. Mm. Um, as you know, that's my experience. I, For me, I'm a very um, energetic, sociable person. I'm out all the time. Um, I was going to say my other imposter syndrome at the moment is that I'm home all the time, which is weird. I'm never well, usually home yes. in my home. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very active, outdoorsy, uh, uh, sociable person. But when I'm ill, when I get hit by it, it, it can change in like a matter of days and I can be really struck down with particularly, I get very anemic, um, very lethargic. And it's very difficult for people to understand those two aspects of me going from being like, Rose, party Rose. Yeah, Rose is fun. To being like, yeah, I can't actually hang out with any of you. I'm really sorry. I need to rest. I don't really have a choice here. Um, so I guess that for me, and I don't know if your experience is the same, Gabriella, with that, but just the, the the jolt in, I guess, your mental health having to deal with it as well can be very, like, sudden. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I would say, yeah, okay, yeah, you go, Gabriella. Yeah, no, no, massively so. <laughs> um, uh, I feel the same way when all my friends want to go out clubbing and to bars and I can't really be in loud spaces without earplugs for very long because my hypercusis gets set off and then my tinnitus flares up flares up we've both got flares up Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah no it's just that that feeling and you know people think I'm then boring a letdown like oh she's oh she's so sensible she's so sensitive about her ears I'm like well just trying to protect what I have left um but yeah no does that that's all I wanted to add yeah it's the same thing and I think we all just need to be mindful everyone that's yeah. it's, it's, it's listening it's listening and then do you find that people asking you questions like I imagine um answer, you have answering questions fatigue sometimes with people wanting to you know um know everything I can only relate in a tiny way of not being able to see and I remember somebody asking me exactly to try and describe it and then always wanting to try on my glasses and all those kind of annoying parts oh, of of that wow you're mm. so blind Mel Sinead's oh. been there with many a time um but so is is it part of it is it just accept what I'm saying listen mm. I was gonna say yes and also I think um I think also just like for me to, for people to not too much put too much pressure on themselves for knowing the right answer because we're all still learning. I still don't fully know how to give that advice. Um, mm -hmm. um, so I, I guess, yeah, the more I know, the more I'll let you know. Whatever, the more that we kind of understand together. But yeah, definitely questions and um, just being self-aware and, you know, researching areas where their friends might be suffering is probably a, a useful thing to do. I've got friends that have done that for me, which is adorable and Absolutely. get very generous mm. yeah it's about just yeah. having that opened like mindset and being mindful mm. of those around you because the forgetfulness is a thing that people just need to get with the program and kind of not forget as much but obviously we're all human we're going to make mistakes and like you said this is a still a learning curve for me I'm still trying to figure out how best to uh let people know what I need and mm. when and how um but you're right about the what Mel said about people trying on their glasses so many people have wanted to try my hearing aids on and then I have to explain to them that because they're not hearing impaired or anything they they won't hear what it's like to be deaf they'll just hear very irritating mechanical sounds and then they'll be they'll be so traumatized by the experience that they end up pitying me more when really it's just not what 
a true realistic nature of what the, my experience is of it. So I totally, totally understand what you mean about questions and people. Or my favorite one is when I when people figure out I'm a lip reader, they do the lip reading game and they do the whole. <laughs> For those going, not going, Gabriella oh, yes. is yeah. miming some words to us over the video to describe. <laughs> so then, then just I'm just a bit like we've been having a conversation for five hours. When how do you think I've been talking to you? If this is not how I'm very good at lip reading, just take my word for it, like you said. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, just that have this conversation thing. with me. Yeah, and it's not about what people ask; it's how they ask it. That's really like yeah. I, if people want to learn and and because they're interested or they're fascinated or like you know your, your friends want to understand a bit more what you're going through I totally that, that final answer questions but it's how they go about asking the questions that can get a bit yeah mm, yeah uh, are you asking it to like both of you have mentioned a bit kind of um catch you out a little bit you know I don't physically see a disability so I'm going to try and you know catch Find you out it. well you you didn't have swollen elbows last week last week it was this <laughs> people mm -hmm. <laughs> Rose just showed us yeah, no, her, um, beautiful limber elbow really then. great elbow move <laughs> fantastic <laughs> I, can, I can do it with the other one as well look oh incredible Ooh, great showing <laughs> off now look at those straight mm -hmm. arms what an inspiration <laughs> So, uh, as Rose mentioned earlier, uh, we are we are all united by one specific thing right now, and that is that we are living in lockdown during this pandemic, which is incredibly stressful to everyone. Um, but I was wondering if you could shine a light on your kind of current experience, like how the pandemic has been affecting you, how it's been affecting your physical health, your mental health, your everything, your world because it's affected everyone's world. So how, how are you guys doing during this pandemic? You can start. Yeah, you? Oh, I'm being you. so polite. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, answer, answer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's just so strange and bizarre. And I'd like to think that hopefully we won't have to experience this again in our lifetime. But who knows, maybe 100 years come round and I'll still be here. Uh, and it will wipe me out the second time. No, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to shed some light. Um, no, it, it it is obviously extremely difficult for everyone. Um, I'm doing a lot of Zoom meetings, um, and Zoom isn't that accessible, so it's a bit of a struggle. And then I'm, I'm feeling more of an imposter again because I'm going, "Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that." And they're like, "But you're responding to me." It's, it's yeah, it's that mm. same sort of barrier again. Um, I'm just sort of making my bed every morning and making lists to get through. So when I've completed it in the day, I feel really accomplished. Um, lots of reading, just, you know, self-care things, little things that keep you going really. But um, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about that moment where you get to be with all your loved ones again and what a party it's going to be. That's sort of all I'm... It'd be great. And you're, you're not working at the moment, so... No. Are we are we going to run out of episodes of Casualty, Jay? Uh, oh, oh Jay? I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, we have episodes up to an X certain point, Ooh. and then who knows? <laughs> That's all she's allowed. Zoom to say. episodes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think 
I think one TV program's trying out Zoom episodes. I can't remember which, but yeah, it's it's not us. I don't know how that would work. But, but it, it's it's interesting you mentioned about Zoom. Obviously, we arranged this um, this um, Zoom chat to try and make it. Well, no, we're on Microsoft Teams. Shout out. They do live captioning. <laughs> but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> but it's just really interesting that to but be... But to be accessible, it's basically there are so many barriers in that way. And I think obviously a will to be accessible is one thing, but people really need to be able to do the work and um, software needs to become better to be able to make this truly accessible because, you know, there are barriers to then you joining podcasts or joining other things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really about, I think a lot of us putting our money where our mouth is and kind of going, you know, I actually, I think I spoke about this at the diversity event about people that are in the positions to be the writers so that are the producers that organize events um, to really kind of question how we can make this more accessible. And to do that, we need to go out and listen. I, um, I remember it blew my mind when I was talking about arranging a networking event and somebody that I know that's got chronic illness had mentioned that, but I can't stand up for that amount of time. So mm -hmm. I can't go to networking mm -hmm. events. And it was just it made me realize that these people need to be around the table so we can hear these stories yeah. to mm -hmm. then to be able to understand. And obviously a big part of it is, is us going out there and doing the work. Mm -hmm. But there's so many nuances to everybody's conditions, what they can and can't do, you know, can and can't. Don't like that language. Throw that away, Mel. Um, you know, the, the barriers people <laughs> face. And I think we really need to go and go and go and ask the questions instead of getting somebody to come to you mm -hmm. you know if you work somewhere that doesn't have a diversity and inclusion group can you create one can you um create platforms for people to come a part of it i'm ranting about this because i feel passionately mm -hmm. let's um let's yeah. go back to you rose and talk about about living in lockdown Obviously, we what, slightly mentioned. We were, we were asking about kind of what's shining a light on your current experience of lock, living in lockdown, specifically with a um, autoimmune disease. Obviously, we've slightly mentioned on this podcast that it hasn't been easy for you, Rose, has it? Oh, yeah, with medication. Yeah. <laughs> so you've already, met, you've already spoken about that. Well, we've actually gone forever anyway, that conversation. But I did have a really fun thing happen the other day. Um, about 10 days ago, I got a call from what I'm going to call the isolation hotline. That's not what it's called, but it's, it's something like that. Um, ringing me up and they went, hello there, we're the isolation hotline. Um, just wanted to check that you got your letter, um, what, uh, the beginning of this, that you needed to shield for 12 weeks because of your autoimmune medication. This is six weeks in. I was like, nope, <laughs> didn't get a letter. Thanks for letting me know six weeks later because I haven't been shielding. I've been isolating, but I have been going to shops and going mm -hmm. out on my bike yeah. a lot. Yeah. So that was fun. And then his reaction. So then, then I was like, look, like, dude, where have, got this, where have you got this information from? And he was like, oh, to be honest, like you're just a name on a list. Your NHS number comes up under vulnerable, so I had to call you. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've spoken to the hospital. They seem to think I'm okay to just isolate. And then he said, um, oh, great. Okay, yeah, cool. Well, to be honest, you seem like you know what you're talking about. So I'm just going to take you off the list. Like it was a cold call. Like my life. Yeah. <laughs> Not my livelihood. Which I thought was hilarious. Anyway, um, so that was fun. Um, but I generally have been fine. Um, other than that, I've... Uh, yeah, it's good to have a lot of rest, to be honest. And I've been doing a hell of a lot of yoga, which is really great for my joints. Mm. Um, and sleeping like nine or ten hours a night. So I feel like in better health than I did um, before. 
so I can't you know in terms of that it's good um yeah, that's the stress good. of having mm-hmm. yeah so the I have I, I take autoimmune suppressant medication so immunosuppressant medication rather so um I am in a higher risk group but I'm like the lower of the higher risk um mm. so that's it plays in the back of your mind which isn't ideal yeah. mm-hmm. and but, I think you uh, touched on something that's really interesting that obviously Sinead and I have been a part of watching you we just watch you for the last 15 years um but you have to be there's you have to grow up so early because you have to be in charge mm, of your own mm. medication and your own livelihood like yeah. the fact that you have to know everything inside out because there's so obviously so many nuances to everyone's situation and you can't always kind of trust unfortunately I know yeah. obviously you have a hell of a lot of love for the NHS but you know it's it's there's a lot of pressure on you and I imagine there was probably quite an imposter experience of you younger you know trying to be young yeah. and carefree yeah totally um yeah and this is uh, yeah having to navigate I mean I'm very lucky I grew up with a, um, my mum is a nurse and she had literally been by my side for the whole journey and has been incredible um but obviously now I live away from from home and I'm in in London I'm now seen at a hospital in London rather than at the Nuffield Orthopaedic Centre in Oxford, which is like the best hospital ever. Shout out to them. Um, but yeah, now it's a, a case of dealing with it on your own and in isolation. It's definitely a time for growth. We're um, learning how to deal with the condition. And obviously the stress of not getting my medication, um, but that's all sorted now. Mm, um, that's good. Yeah, let's see when it ends. This this weird, weird life that we're all in together as one that we'll yeah. all be transitioning into whatever the new future looks like exactly. so yeah. we end each of our episodes by putting our top tips in the imposter's handbook so we're gonna put it to you guys what is something that our listeners who have a dis- hidden disability can do now to live their truth and advocate better for themselves and what can the rest of us do to actually learn a bit more and start raising awareness and be better allies big question <laughs> um if you are listening hi um and you have a hidden disability visible disability identify as disabled have a chronic illness uh living living with a dis- disability illness i don't know all the spectrum everything um you can join dank which are a disabled artist networking community. They're based in Manchester, but they also do. Yes, Rose, please join, 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 join me. Yeah, I didn't um, know. Great. Yeah, yeah. So um, it their uh, organisation based in Manchester, but they do events all in London as well. They're a wonderful hub of artists who with disabilities, and every month or two months or so, we all come together. And we have a panel with industry guests who are usually able-bodied and want to learn more about um, you know, disabilities or how do we integrate disabled actors in the industry more. And they're wonderful sessions. You get to be really up close and personal with casting directors, um, directors, producers, TV companies. Um, we did one, I think, a few months ago. Oh, no, it would have been, like, when was it? Last year now. <laughs> um with ITV um, and that was just really great to have those initial human connections with people how to bridge the gap between um, 
our world and theirs so it can be our world as one really um but they do loads of cool things in the in the lockdown period actually they've been doing great webinars with individual casting directors and writers and everything else um so yeah apps please um i will send you their email rose and we can Mm, join together and i'm going to be like yes recruit a member (laughs) um you know they're just they're just a brilliant organization um uh triple c manchester as well run it as well it's like two companies involved but yeah you can join that if you're like me like us um and if you're not like us okay cool uh you can just do lots of reading there's a great ted talk on youtube um it's about five minutes long and it's uh called i've got it written down because i can't remember the name of it Uh, what is imposter syndrome and how can you combat it and that's not specific about disabilities that's if you yourself are just struggling with imposter syndrome which many people are it's just a little five minute talk and it's it's quite nice to have if you're having a a really really bad episode of it um and read the book year of yes by um joda rhymes she does what's it, yeah year of yes how to dance in the sun and be your own person we'll put all of these in the show notes as well as any other resources they um, yeah, both sent so um over to you rose what, what can our listeners um who yeah might identify with many of the things you both have been speaking about what can they do to advocate better for themselves i think yeah i i, I don't have loads to say beyond what gabriella said but i i keep asking questions keep you know reading into it where you can understanding it especially if you know people that that you can speak to that have personal connections or uh, experiences or, you know, have the, the, the illnesses themselves. Um, and I, one thing I thought about was uh, it's an Instagram page called Chronic Illustrations. And it's like, I'm trying to look for the hand off. It's called Can't Go Out, I'm Sick. And I don't know if you guys follow it, but it's really great. It's a girl who has the condition herself. I'm not sure what she has, but she um, does these amazing illustrations, which kind of just like breaks down um, a barrier amazing. in terms of understanding. Uh, it's social media and she's got a lot of followers and she's really really cool so yeah, follow her right and follow her journey as well yes say. we'll throw all of that in the show notes um as well as if both of you um have anything else send it over and we'll throw it in there um well thank you so much um both of you for coming and chatting to us it means the world to us to have you both here and to hear your stories and um but now it's all down to us listeners to do the work um <laughs> the work and be better allies and be more supportive to our pals that yes. have disabilities invisible illnesses and everything that rose and gabriella have been talking about today so thank you guys so much it's been really really fantastic talking to you in fact thank you do you just want to come on for every episode yeah just yeah, don't tell me, Jack. Oh, cool. I'd love that. Maybe yeah. in person one day. Yes. Oh. That would be a thing. We can all um, hold hands while we talk. Oh, let's, God. Let's go out for a um, coffee when... Um, no, let's what go out for it? wine. Coffee and yeah. wine. Espresso yeah, martini? Um, morning, <laughs> end at 2 a.m. <laughs> um, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, and you. safe lockdown. Mwah, mwah. Stay safe. Stay well. Bye. Bye. Well, that was just so wonderful having Rose and Gabriella on the podcast. I loved it. It was so insightful to just hear lived experiences, um, which we can all do more of. Can't we, Shinny Shoe? 
exactly we can keep listening and keep learning and of course usually at the end of every episode we throw what we've learned into the handbook but we've learned so much from Rose and Gabriella that I think if you know just cycle back to the beginning so um yeah, so if you have, um, if you can relate to um, what Gabby and Rose were saying and you have a hidden disability or a visible illness, we hope you found this helpful and do check out the show notes. Um, there'll be some handy resources that Rose and Gabby have shared with us. And if you're learning about this, as we have been, then it is absolutely time to do the work. It's time to listen. It's time to keep learning, supporting, and most importantly, put what you've learned into action. Yes. be a great ally what a perfect ending for our penultimate episode so we love you all thank you for listening again and watching and watching okay. yeah. this is a weird process i can't but um yeah. be interested to see what our faces look like um and we hope you're all safe and we send lots and lots of love and as usual um if you've got an imposter story or you want to share something with us you can email us at the imposters club at gmail.com um check us out on instagram slide into our dms um at the imposters club we're at imposters club on twitter we're everywhere we're everywhere you our community please subscribe give us a five star because that will ramp us up in itunes and spotify and all the rest of them and uh, thank you. Last but not least, thank you so much to Morley Radio, who have made this weird, wild and wonderful recording process so much easier for us. And thank you to you, Mel. Thank you to you, Sinead. Thank you. Stay safe. Stay well. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.